Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Sister Wives with Mary Jane Kay. Today, I'll be breaking down Sister Wives Season 2, Episode 10, Gambling on the Future. This episode is going to be very heavy on the emotional manipulation regarding moving for the threat of familial separation. And so I want everyone to just again keep in mind what the Attorney General said, that no charges would be brought for polygamy alone unless there are other crimes being committed. So there is a lot of crying and uproar in this episode and the next. So I just want to be clear that in the media, the AG and law enforcement made it clear they were not going to charge the Browns. They had to open the investigation because it is breaking the law to live polygamy, especially if you flaunt it in everyone's face. But the government was not in the business of separating families or bringing bigamy charges at the time unless there were additional crimes being committed, things like fraud or abuse, etc. So the Browns knew they would not be separated as a family or face charges or legal consequences unless there was criminal activity going on. So all of the tears and emotions and fears, and I can't believe this is the America I learned about in school, all of the being forced to move because the boogeyman is coming is all for the drama and ratings on the show. I want to be clear. I believe that the kids believe that the threat was real, and I believe they were emotionally manipulated by Cody, in my opinion, only to get on board with the move. I think the Browns moved because Cody wanted it, and they weren't forced to for any legal threat because the policy was well known. So either Cody was committing additional crimes and he had to flee, or Cody understood he wouldn't be charged for polygamy, as was made clear in the media, and Cody wanted to pretend to be backed into a corner for ratings and drama and to stir an emotional uproar in an effort to decriminalize polygamy. Interestingly, it was decriminalized in Utah, and only Christine, the first wife to leave Cody, has moved back. I've always believed people should live as they want to live and structure their family as they like without the government stepping in or interfering. If this is part of a religion, whether I agree with it or not, whether it's a lifestyle choice or a religious-based choice or not, the government shouldn't infringe on religious freedom or the freedom of people to structure their family as they wish. I don't think it's healthy, polygamy, and it's not how I would want to structure my life or my family personally, but consenting adults have a right to structure their families as they wish. Anyways, I feel Cody wanted to move for Cody. He knew there was no threat and he made it about the threat to try and emotionally seep into the minds of the public. Who would be in an uproar that this family can't just live under their faith, religiously free? They can. They would never have been charged. It wasn't the policy. But Cody tried to make it seem that way to serve his purpose of decriminalization and as a reason to move. And the worst part about this isn't deceiving viewers. It's not even Cody appropriating the actual struggles of other polygamist families who were separated in the past as his own struggle while having the privilege of knowing that he didn't face that same threat or consequence. The worst thing is... The way Cody, in my opinion, manipulated his children to believe that he would be jailed, that the family would be separated forever, the whole family would be destroyed, the siblings would be separated, the moms could be jailed and separated, or worse, the kids could face the foster system if they don't move and leave all they have ever known to sacrifice to keep the family together. The kids genuinely believed it was move or lose my family. When that was not the case, and Cody used that threat as a tactic to unite his kids to move, and he also exploited their emotions, well-being on camera to film their struggles with this. He put his kids through the stress and trauma of moving with the added boulder on their backs, the burden of moving to escape the threat of not only losing all they've ever known, but losing mom and dad and brothers and sisters, losing everything they have ever known, when it wasn't a reality that they would be separated at all. Imagine moving, losing your whole world, and having to fit into a new hierarchy, a new social order or system, 
uprooting your friends and environment and school, which is a kid's whole world, and also feeling that loss, that they're going to lose that and they're also going to lose their family when that wasn't going to happen. In my opinion, Cody had his kids believe this threat was real to unite them in moving for a cause to save the family because he didn't want them resenting him for moving because deep down he wanted to move for himself. And it had nothing to do with this threat, in my opinion, with this boogeyman coming at night. Doing that to the kids is beyond effed up. It's incredibly manipulative. I heard none of his older kids talk to Cody, and it's no wonder why. I also think it's interesting that Christine, who would logically be the most fearful since this threat of separation happened generations ago in her family, wanted to stay. She was the loudest voice opposing this move. She even told Cody she thought he wanted the move because he was enthusiastic about it. And Cody had to save face on camera to continue this narrative. And he said he does that. He, he puts on a brave face to encourage everyone to be positive about things. Is Cody the guy who sucks it up and puts on a smile and a happy vibe for his family? When has Cody ever done that? Cody tells his wives things like his family are obstacles to his goals in life. He is always doom and gloom, complaining he isn't the leader, being negative, lamenting that no one respects and obeys him as the ultimate authority of the family. I think Cody wanted this move for no other reason than himself. So let's keep all this in mind as the waterworks and emotions ensue. The episode opens with Cody from the pilot episode in his suit and tie driving home in his midlife crisis two-door convertible. The scene where he says he loves marriage, he's a repeat offender. There's a shot of Cody alone in confessional, looking heavy, doom and gloom, emo to the max. Every time this guy tries to look bothered and burdened emotionally, he just looks constipated. Everything is so contrived with Cody. Next, it flashes back to the pilot episode dated April 2nd, 2010. He says he likes marriage. He adopted a faith that embraces that lifestyle. They like to reward good behavior, so if you're good with one marriage, they figure you'll be good with two. He chuckles and tells cameras, I hope they think I'll be good with four. They, I'm assuming, are the church elders or council who can tell Cody if the person he is courting is a proof for him to marry or not, since they are representatives of God on earth, because Cody and Robin can't just decide as two grown adults for themselves, they have to go through the church. They show Cody introducing each of his wives to us during the first episode of Sister Wives and then back to morose Cody in confessional alone, trying to look heavy. Instead, he is looking like he has a brick sitting in his intestines, like he's all backed up. He doesn't look emotional to me. It looks like he needs some fruit or some yogurt or some coffee to just get it out. He looks completely backed up. They show Cody giving Robin the string ring and then Cody and Robin at their wedding ceremony. Cody announces that the city of Lehigh finished their investigation and they turned over their findings to the district attorney. He says they have decided as a family that they are going to move to Nevada and they've told the older kids, but they haven't yet told the younger kids. There is a scene of Cody in the living room with his whole family gathered. He tells the younger kids he needs them to listen. He tells his wives he needs them to help him with this. He asks, who likes being a family? Of course the little ones chime in, me, me. Cody says he likes it a lot, being a family. Really, does he like being a family a lot? Because last season he said many times, he said both his wives are obstacles to his goals and he also said that his family is an obstacle to his goals in life. But here he likes being a family. Which one is it? After Cody says he likes it a lot being a family, he asks, are we a special family? Do you guys feel special in this family? Of course, the little kids shout out yes. Cody says we want to keep the family together. Nothing can break it. So because of the circumstances, he tells them we are moving to Las Vegas. So Cody is directly lying to his kids that because there are circumstances threatening to break the family apart, they're moving when in the media, many people said the Browns would not be charged, but because 
The polygamy was in your face, flaunted on TV. They had to investigate as a formality. But the Browns would not be charged for polygamy alone unless there were other crimes being committed. So Cody is either lying to his kids here to unite them in moving to save the family, saying it's for this threat to keep everyone together, when really Cody wants to move for himself or he is committing other crimes, which I don't think that's the case. Is it fair to manipulate children's emotions and to lie and put not only the burden of a move on a kid, but also the threat of move or we lose our family when that isn't true? Imagine that stress and anxiety on the child, the trauma of all of that, when if Cody told the truth that they are moving for him because he wants it, he may have faced resentment, but he would not put his kids under the added fear, anxiety, and stress that they could lose their family when it isn't reality. It's really gross to manipulate your kids in that way, in my opinion, because you prefer the kids to be conditioned to be willing to move and sacrifice for the larger cause of saving the family rather than just being truthful, having the kids be slightly resentful, but having them not have that added unnecessary terror and trauma of the possibility of their parents in jail and familial separation. These kids feared not ever seeing their moms or their siblings when that was not ever going to be the case. It's really cruel and manipulative and unfair in my opinion. Most of the kids are mad. Some seem slightly excited. Cody says the place has been magical and it's been a special place. Cody says what's magical about their home is them. And he doubles down on the lie. He tells the kids, we are moving so we can stay a family. Cody apologizes for being secretive and careful about the move. And he tells the kids they will move in just three days. They will be loading up this weekend. Most of the kids are in tears now after Cody has said all that. I wonder how they feel as adults knowing their dad lied to them and put all that unnecessary stress and trauma on them. Cody tells one of his crying kids, I think it might be Garrison, that he's sorry. He knows it's not fair. Cody knows it's not fair, but he lies to them to make them feel that they have to move and sacrifice all they have ever known to keep their family that they were never going to lose at any point. And now Cody is sorry and he knows it's unfair, yet he is also willing to lie and manipulate his kids, in my opinion. Cody says he can't have his family live there in fear. What fear? The Browns had the privilege of knowing the policy, and it was announced in the media by law enforcement, by the AG. So unless Cody was committing additional crimes, he would not be charged solely for just living polygamy. Officials stated that they wouldn't be bringing charges unless there were other crimes. So either Cody was committing crimes other than just living polygamy, or Cody is the one promoting the fear to manipulate everyone into a move that Cody wants for his own interests since there is no threat of familial separation or charges. Also, Christine again, the one who had separation happen to her grandfather's family, was the loudest voice wanting to stay in Utah. She should logically be the most fearful and she had no problem to stay in Utah. And she even said Cody was wanting this move and excited about it. And we know Cody loves to move. He gets antsy and jaded and he always thinks a new place will reset his life and have better for him. So in my opinion, this move was purely motivated by Cody. There was no phantom threat, but the threat and fear were a great way to manipulate the kids and to manipulate viewers as well. It was particularly cruel to his kids and it says a lot about Cody's ego and character in my opinion that he would prefer to let his kids feel that added stress and fear that isn't a reality that the family could be separated so that they unite behind a move rather than for Cody just to say that he's moving because he wants it and allow his kids to resent him some and love his kids enough and have empathy enough to want them to know that they have nothing to fear as far as familial separation or legal consequences, that they aren't going to bring charges, that it's been stated that they won't be charged. 
Cody wants his kids to love him and he wanted this to be convenient for him. And rather than have his kids resent him, he wanted to be seen to be a hero backed into a corner by the big bad wolf threatening to break the family apart. Cody's ego can't take honesty and humility and a little bit of resentment. So instead of him feeling the blowback, he put that burden on his kids. And that shows a lot of insight into who Cody prioritizes. And most of the time, it seems to be himself, in my opinion. Cody says every day that they are here, their family goes deeper and deeper into the fear of what could happen. Cody encourages that fear. He could easily pull up a news article or media piece where the AG explains they had to investigate, but unless there is fraud or abuse or criminal stuff in addition to just living polygamously, they had absolutely no interest in charging the Browns, but because it was on TV flaunted, they had to do their job and investigate as a formality. Cody says they don't want to move, but Vegas is the perfect place. He says the people in Vegas will be a lot more tolerant. No one was intolerant of Cody or his lifestyle. They gave Cody the privilege of knowing publicly they weren't interested in charging any of them for their lifestyle alone, unless there were other crimes. I also think it's very interesting that Cody expects tolerance, but in his religion, they don't allow people of color to have leadership positions in the church. They follow a doctrine, the Adam-God doctrine, that dictates that. So Cody wants tolerance for polygamy and for his lifestyle, but Cody adheres to a faith where how you look on the outside determines if you can hold a position of power or be deemed fit to lead and have a direct connection to God in the church. How can Cody demand tolerance and cry and whinge when he adheres to a belief system where if you aren't white, you can't lead in that church? The kids are all sobbing and Cody asks Garrison what he is sobbing about, what he is worried about, bud. And Garrison says it's just heavy. And Cody responds that he gets it. Cody knows he doesn't have to lie to his kids about this threat and move the kids or do the move in this manner. He can look at his crying kid and lie to his face that it's move or separate as a family when that's a lie. He can look at his kids cry and say that he gets it. I don't think Cody gets anything. Cody is so cold as he is doing this. He doesn't comfort the kids at all. He announces that this is extremely important to his sobbing kids. And he says, guess what? You can't tell anybody else that you're moving. Cody explains the whole thing is breaking his heart because he has told his children and he is upsetting their whole worlds. He says he told them they can't even tell their friends. He says it's kind of devastating to them. He asks, what do I do? I have to continue on, he says. He says he is so emotionally messed up about it that he is having a hard time selling it to them. This is a cold guy who shows no emotions, and when he tries to feign despair, he just looks constipated. It's like Robin's tears that never come as she scrunches up her face to squeeze that tear out of those dried up tear ducts. Now he wants to tell viewers how emotionally hard this is for him. So hard he can't sell this used car to his kids. Cody had zero trouble lying to the kids about why they have to move to save the family or else, knowing it's not true. And he's the one having such a hard time. His kids were sobbing. It was beyond devastating. It's traumatizing to move as a kid. I experienced it many times because of my dad's job. It was just a part of the deal. And then add to that, move or we lose our family. We go to jail when that's not true. Adding that to unite the kids and make it convenient for him so he gets less nagging towards him and more love and less resentment so it's better for him and more convenient for him is very cruel. Cody is willing to put that lie and that burden and fear and stress and anxiety onto his kids. Something not real to make it easier on him to unite them in moving so they don't push back. And that's cruel and selfish in my opinion. Cody puts Cody first, and he doesn't mind burdening others or manipulating others, even if it's his own kids, if it makes more convenience for him. 
it speaks to the character of Cody and it makes it clear that Cody of later seasons, Mask Off, was always there even from the start. Cody says after they've told all of the little kids, they have had this fallout and all of these emotions and all of these tears and all of this heartbreak and he has to readdress this with his older kids. Cody says he wanted to address their concerns and he's trying so hard to keep himself from being defensive. He feels so defensive because he knows that he's lying to and manipulating his kids in order to do what he wants for his own selfish reasons, in my opinion. Why would a father get defensive? He would have empathy and compassion and concern for his kids' well-being in addressing their concerns. Getting defensive doesn't seem like the appropriate response to all of this unless Cody understands that he is lying and manipulating and doing something wrong that he has to defend and excuse. Maddie has a question about Mariah. She asks what Mariah is going to do. Cody says Mariah didn't have the most positive experience in public school, so she went back to her private church school. So in moving to Vegas, they are moving Mariah away from that realm. Cody says Mariah has a significant amount to lose by moving to Vegas. Cody asks if it would be fun for all of them to go to the same school. It seems to me that Cody is just doing this for lip service and he doesn't really care, but he wants to appear to be a concerned father. To Cody, everything seems to be about what you win and lose. And Cody seems to think that Mariah has more to lose because she will lose her whole church school environment and community, while the other kids are all already adjusted to public school. So for Cody is getting his way and insisting about him winning and getting his way and getting what he wants. I wonder if for Cody, life is a game or a competition. And if his main goal is just manipulating everything to win by getting what he wants. And if that is what matters most to him as a priority, maybe that's how Cody perceives things. I don't know. As Cody said in season one, he is an enigma only he understands. But when Cody says things like he views his family as an obstacle to his goals in life, what is his goal? Is it just to always get what he wants his way? Is that his priority? Maddie and Aspen both speak up to Cody. They let him know Mariah has nothing there in Vegas for her. We have to remember too, back then, Mariah hadn't come out yet and she was very into the faith and she was the only brown kid who was vocal about wanting this lifestyle. I think it's sweet to see the other older kids have Mariah's back, knowing at this point how invested in her faith and community and this lifestyle she was. Mariah's siblings genuinely care and they are concerned and I think that's amazing that that's one of their first thoughts. Aspen tells Cody Mariah wants to be in the church. Maddie reminds the parents how weird Mariah got when she tried out public school. Mariah is sobbing and frustrated and she looks to Maddie and says, don't you think I've thought of all of this? Robin asks the older kids what they think the parents should do. Maddie thinks Mariah should be able to wait a year and Aspen thinks Mariah should be able to choose because the reason she wants to be there is because she wants to be with kids of her same faith. Cody tells Aspen and Maddie he wants them to remember a very important mantra. He says this is very important that they realize where we go one, we go all. He tells the kids when they are 18 and graduated, they can make their own choices. But in this case, they go as a family. Mary is comforting a sobbing Mariah and Mary asks Mariah if she wants to throw out her thoughts on this to her dad so her dad knows what she is thinking. Mariah is in tears. She feels she needs to finish out the school year. She knows that the parents think of her as a child and that she needs to be with them and they think they need to raise her but she doesn't feel like a child. Cody has a notebook and he is taking notes as Mariah speaks and he's acting very pensive when we all know he doesn't give a fuck. He already decided she is going. He just is hearing her out as a futile formality, just like the investigation into his family is a formality. 
Mariah made a list of things, a list of reasons why she needs to finish out the school year. Reason number one is the dance. It's in a couple of weeks and she can't leave the other two to do it alone. Cody says Mariah brings to him a list of all of these things that are so important and so valid, like staying for the dance, staying because of her friends, staying because of school, staying because of church. He says all of these are valid things, at least to a teenager, yet he still has to say the one thing that's the one thing, which is the main thing, which is that we keep the family together, and that had to trump all of it. He says it was all valid stuff and very important. It was already in the media that the attorney general stated they had no plans to charge the Browns. And so for Cody to say keeping the family together trumps all of this is bullshit. The family would remain intact regardless of if they move or not. And Cody had the privilege of knowing he just doesn't want to look like a dick to his kids. And I love how he said these are valid reasons to a teenager. A child's whole life and world is their social system and their school and their friends. And they weren't moving to keep the family together. They were moving for Cody. And Cody could look at his kids cry and feel trauma and add more trauma and stress and fear and anxiety of this lie rather than for him to accept looking like a dick if everyone knew he was moving because he wanted to. It feels to me like Cody feels like he is superior to his kids and his daughter, and it's very demeaning and dehumanizing to feel that you aren't respected and valued by your parents enough to be heard and actually considered. To Mariah, these were very valid points. This was her whole world, her whole life. And if Cody had to move for work or for a legitimate reason, That's one thing, but Cody was moving because he wanted this. And no matter what Mariah said, Cody was never going to consider anything. It was all lip service, in one ear, out the other, as his daughter cries, pouring her whole heart into this list. And regardless of what her points were, Cody was not hearing them. He doesn't care. He didn't even care what his wives had to say. The only valid points to Cody are his own. And he does that with everyone, whether he writes it off as points valid for a teenager or he tells his wife, I'm the leader, we are going. Cody only values and esteems his own opinions and ideas and ways and thoughts and nothing else matters in my opinion. In tears, Mariah pleads, she tells her father, you tell me that I'm going no matter what. I want you to consider this really hard because I really feel like I need to finish out the school year. Cody tells Mariah he understands the importance of her spiritual network. He understands Mariah's need to do it and her need for her emotional and spiritual sovereignty. But it's not something he feels comfortable with indulging until she is 18. Cody feels like God has given him a responsibility to keep her under his house. Cody tells Mariah his belief is that she should be with them in their home at least till she is 18 and graduated, if not beyond that, till when she is married. He says that's his belief, and because it's his responsibility to answer to God for it, he feels he has to make her go with him, and he feels like it's his job, given to him by God when Mariah was born. His job was to take care of Mariah in his realm, and to have her in his home until she is married. As Cody is speaking, the camera focuses on Maddie, And she looks so angry and resentful at her father. Cody says it was very easy to be empathetic to Mariah because he bought it. He says he is leaving all of his friends too and his church. And he is going through a very similar experience. He is leaving his career. So it's easy to understand Mariah. And he had to just be patient and say, sweetheart, come along. Please, please come with us. In my opinion, this is bullshit. Cody wants to come across like this kind, concerned, caring, compassionate father, full of empathy and understanding. But he lied to his kids about why they're moving, and he lied to viewers, in my opinion, and he wasn't empathetic with her. He basically mentioned God to make this be something Mariah can't argue with when he is forcing her to go. And she is a minor. Ultimately, she has to do what her parents want. That's what Cody does with his wives, too, When he was courting Robin, Mary made clear to the wives that God led her to feel Robin should be in their life. And Cody told his wives he had a spiritual testimony from God when he sprung Robin on Janelle and Christine last minute. 
He knows they can't argue with the God stuff. I also don't like how Cody says he bought it. He bought what Mariah said. Cody seems to take everything as though people are selling to him and people are disingenuous just because he is a used car salesman. Not everyone else around him is trying to sell him or one-up him or swindle him. Mariah was just trying to communicate why she wanted to stay. And Cody said these are valid points for a teenager, almost like stupid little teenage Mariah with her foolish points that piddle in comparison to my adult want to move. Mariah just wanted to feel like an equal, like she was valued and actually considered by her father. And regardless of what she said, Cody was not going to hear it or consider it valid at all. It was never going to be valid to him. And she is a minor. She has to do what her parents say ultimately. But it is very demoralizing if a parent doesn't treat a child like they are considered, like their feelings and thoughts are considered, and like they see their child as a person to consider, or like they see them on some type of equal footing, or a footing where they at least value and consider their feelings, even as an adult parent of a child. Making a child feel absolutely powerless will give them a sense of having no agency, and that creates a ton of resentment and problems later on. There was no sense from Cody that he would be willing to compromise whatsoever. And then he threw in God to stop the conversation completely. I'm not suggesting that Cody should let Mariah stay alone without them, but why not listen and compromise some so his kids develop a sense of their own agency and that they are trusted? Like, why not just give her a little extra month or two to attend the dance even? Moves are very traumatizing and stressful. I have to do it every few years. And it completely changes your world and environment, and every few years, it uproots everything you know, and you don't get to grow up in one place with the same group of friends where everyone still lives and stays close, and everyone has kids together or gets married together and stays around. This was just one move for the Brown family, but it was handled in the most traumatizing way possible by Cody with all of the lies and manipulation and the emergency rushing of this move, and the emotional toll is no joke. But Cody values what he wants and his optics over lying to his kids and putting trauma and anxiety on them, in my opinion, from what we see so far. It's now three days before the move and we are at Robin's house as Robin frantically tries to get her kids involved with packing. Robin is frazzled. She says the plan of attack is put it in a box. Robin says... It's Saturday night, and they have all day tomorrow, and they are supposed to take off Monday morning. Dayton's birthday is tomorrow, so they will do a party later for him. And Monday, in the morning, the Browns are pulling up their stakes and heading to Vegas. In confessional, Mary lets viewers know the disappointing news that the houses they found fell through, and they don't know where they will live in Vegas. Robin says they are up in the air and it's scary. It's scaring the crap out of Sabin. She says every time she started packing stuff, she would get angry and emotional. She was angry at God going, why are you letting this happen to us? God isn't letting anything happen to the Browns. They aren't entitled to anything from God or owed anything from God. The Browns have free will and Cody is insisting on moving because he wants to with the false threat of the investigation as the reason to go. The houses that they found now fell through because they did not plan the move appropriately as mature adults, and they probably are in no state financially to be able to afford and obtain four homes, let alone one huge one. God didn't let anything happen to them. They made poor decisions and then cried to God, wondering how this could happen when it's not up to God, it's up to them. If this is an unnecessary move they can't afford, then it's on them to save till they can afford it, rather than taking stabs in the dark, hoping they spear a fish. Robin makes it known she is one who believes in miracles. So for her, she thinks, you can make this go away. You can fix this God. In my opinion, it's crazy for her to believe that she is entitled to God providing them four homes. These people have a lot. There are people who are dying and suffering with cancer. There are refugees with no home and no country who pray to God to save them or to free them of their burdens and of their suffering. 
These people have a home. They have an ideal situation. And Cody insisted on this move with zero planning because he is impulsive and he doesn't think things through. If God exists, they have a lot of prayers to hear and grant. And I don't think giving the Browns four homes when they have more than most people and don't need to move is on the top of God's priority list. Robin's attitude about God and faith is very entitled. And I don't think that God, if they exist, would appreciate being viewed as a magic wand to wave to make things all okay. Robin is a grown woman. She should be realistic and understand how to plan logically for things because God has more pressing things to do if they exist than getting her a house or finding four separate homes. Robin says she pays for her thoughts of asking God to make things just fly away. Later, God always humbles her, she says. I have yet to see evidence of this woman's humility. Robin says it feels like they are jumping without a parachute. Cody arrives to help Robin and he says it's sad that he and Robin have only lived at a rental long enough for him to pack all of his stuff in just one suitcase. Robin complains that she just barely emptied out some of the boxes out of the room she is standing in and she just put those things away within the last few months. Seriously. Poor Robin. What a burden that she had to move so much and she gets a free roof over her head. What a burden that she has to pack and unpack to have that free roof paid for by Cody and his wives. Poor thing. Robin says it's her fourth move in two years and she was just starting to relax again. She hugs Cody for comfort and in her shower we notice that she writes affirmations in like a red crayon. One affirmation says in red crayon, I'm so happy, underlined twice about, and I can't read the rest unfortunately. These are like the people who put positive post-it notes everywhere in the house it's good to be positive, but to need to write shit on your shower to read is too much for a middle-aged woman on the confessional couch. Robin breaks down. She says she thought she was here. Mary cries too, and Cody looks down sad. Janelle is smiling, and Christine looks over at Robin like she wants to smile. Janelle totally thinks Robin's emotions are over the top. She's smiling like, get a fucking grip, woman. Sabin keeps crying, of course. She's motioning her hand like Hitler used to do, up and down when he gave speeches. She says, I thought I was here. I seriously finished unpacking house boxes a couple months ago. And she is crying and speaking in a sobbing tone like a toddler doing a tantrum petulantly. This is so ridiculous. Cody is packing calmly. He says the mood is a little bit heavy. The mood is melancholy and it's heavier than he ever imagined it would be. Cody is trying to get his shit packed at Robin's and he hears Dayton and Aurora fighting and Aurora is in tears and Cody tells them he is not allowing them to do this. Cody explains that everyone is stressed out to the max. It's really tense. The move has the kids stressed and the adults too. Cody says the stress doesn't mean they can turn on each other. They have to be loving and a safe place for each other. At the big house, Logan is helping Janelle. Janelle is packing cookbooks and Logan asks if she is packing the cookbooks. And Janelle says whatever books at this point. And Logan informs his mom he already packed all of the other books other than her cookbooks. They're the only ones left and Janelle didn't even know this. Logan is the most responsible kid I have ever seen in my entire life. It's unbelievable. Janelle didn't even know that all of the books but her cookbooks were already packed because Logan already handled it. Gabe says he kind of wants to stay and he kind of wants to go. It's iffy. Hunter comes into the kitchen to grab some pizza and he announces he feels like grating his head against a cheese grater. We know this move was hardest on Hunter, who became withdrawn and depressed after the move. He suffered greatly. It was traumatic for him and it took a toll emotionally. In Utah, Hunter was captain of the football team. He was very involved in school with his friends. He was very athletic. And once he moved, he would sit in his room all day when they moved to Vegas, not wanting to participate in life, only coming down to eat. It was devastating for Hunter, and it really affected his well-being to move. Janelle says Hunter is struggling today. It's not a good day for him. At Christine's, she is starting to pack, and there is a nice close-up of a framed photo 
of the FLDS Jesus, Joseph Smith. I'm being facetious, of course, he isn't Jesus, but he is a very important prophet-like figure in their faith. Christine explains they are starting the pack, it's crazy, and last minute, it's Saturday, they're all packing and getting ready to go. Mary and Mariah are packing. Mary says it will be a crazy couple of days. She says when they moved into the Lehigh house, Mariah was just 10 years old. Mariah announces that Mary had barely turned 35 back then. Maddie is packing in confessional, she says. If they stay, there is a potential that their dad could go to jail and their family would be split up. Logan says they aren't hurting anyone. They aren't challenging anyone else's livelihood or right to be here. Mariah says they aren't stealing or murdering and they think they need to go after us because why? They have no reason. Maddie says it's like if you have a mistress, everyone is like, wink, wink, good job, you the man. But when a guy decides he wants to take care of his women and her children like they're his own, like a spiritual wife, that's against the law. Mary and her mom are packing and Mary just found a stack of 26 obituaries in her closet from when her sister passed. And she doesn't know why she saved 26 of them. My guess would be she was grieving and it comforted her to have something to hold on to. Mary says it's been five years since her sister passed from colon cancer. She passed 11 months after her diagnosis, and Mary isn't sure what she wanted to do with all of these obituaries or why she decided to keep them. Mary says her sister was a normal person, even though she was a polygamist. Mary is going to use some of her obituary papers to pack, and it felt to Mary like her sister was there and with her. Mary is in tears. She says she knows if her sister was still here, she would have been the first person she told about the move and she would have been up there every day helping her pack. Cody is at Robin's house on the phone with Janelle saying they are staying for a month. It's a big enough house for the whole family and it will give the family the ability to find other places. Cody explains they're moving in a few days and their realtor Mona found them a big house with a big yard for the whole family that they can rent for a month. It isn't available until Tuesday, so they can't leave until Tuesday morning. Cody says Janelle isn't comfortable with delaying things. She wants to get out of here. Janelle is nervous about things, and Cody says it's freaky because the sheriff drove by today. Cody says he has always idolized police and thought they are the cool guys, and this has put everybody on pins and needles. Cody says he's afraid to say that he feels a touch of paranoia. Christine tells Cody Aspen texted her today because she and Maddie were walking to the gas station and Maddie was yelling and freaking out and Aspen told Christine it was the sheriff who had been driving up and down their street. Christine says that right there is why they're moving. Cody says they were planning to leave on Monday but the rental isn't available till Tuesday and it gives them some breathing room. They can rent the place for a month and that will give the Browns time to find homes for everybody and to get the kids enrolled in school. Cody hasn't talked to all of his wives yet about the plan. He thinks Janelle is good with it. Christine is good with it, obviously, according to Cody. Cody says Robin is good with it. And then he shouts over to Robin, are you good with this, Robin? I haven't even asked you. And Robin says, yeah, hesitantly. Christine asks why she was so hesitant, and Robin says she is a little nervous. Cody says Robin has never shared a kitchen with the other wives, so she doesn't know what it will be like. Dayton has a jar of cash like a piggy bank, and Cody announces to viewers that it's Dayton's birthday, and he gave Dayton 20 bucks for a hug. Cody jokes everybody has got their price, and Dayton ain't cheap. Dayton is so thrilled. He looks so freaking happy he has that cash jar. Robin suggests that Dayton can use the money to buy stuff for his new room. Dayton suggests he can buy a new game system with the money. And Robin suggests, or maybe Dayton can get a dresser with it. Fuck no, this kid saved that money piece by piece. Why the F should he buy a dresser? He should be able to save and purchase something fun that he wants. It's his birthday. Back to the house. Mariah looks despondent on the couch and Mary is stroking her hair, prodding her, and Mariah gets pissy. She asks her mom to stop pulling her hair. Mary explains she was trying to turn Mariah's head to look at her and Mariah doesn't want to turn her head. 
When a teenager is pissed, the worst thing one can do is pick at them and prod at them. It's obvious she is pissed and she needs space. Just give the kid some space to be pissy for a minute. Mary explains that Mariah is super involved in church, so it is very hard for her to think about moving away from all of that because in Vegas, they don't have a church group. Mary says yesterday, Mariah was doing really good as far as her attitude. She was helping to pack everything but her room. Mary says it took a lot to get Mariah to even start packing her room with even just a couple of boxes of books packed. At this point, Mary starts messing with Mariah's shoulders. I would be annoyed AF if I was pissed and needed space and someone kept touching me. Mariah asks Mary to please stop touching her. She tells her mom she is all over her. Mary says today she told Mariah she had to really start packing her room and Mariah told her she isn't going. Mary tells Mariah she is doing the best she can, but she doesn't think Cody will let Mariah stay and she tells Mariah she has heard her dad's answer. Mary tells Mariah she loves her and she is sorry this is so hard on her and Mariah says nothing. Cody says when he got to the big house, there was massive confusion. Cody explains to Mary and Christine that they are leaving as early as possible on Tuesday morning because the rental isn't available till Tuesday afternoon. Cody explains right now they just need the essentials as if they are taking a vacation. Christine tells Cody the trailer isn't big enough for all of their stuff, for all of the beds and the furniture. Cody wants to take the beds, and Mary wonders how much stuff everyone has. Christine has her kitchen stuff separated and her living room stuff ready to only take certain things. And Mary says she is sitting there with her mouth gaping open because she is not taking any of her stuff. Cody explains even the essentials on this first trip are more than they have the capacity to haul. So Cody got a trailer, but it isn't big enough. Cody is going to talk to Janelle about getting something bigger. Why Janelle? Is it because she is the breadwinner wife who will have to foot the bill? Janelle tells Cody she doesn't want to run anything. She doesn't want to draw attention to the family. And Cody says it's too late. Janelle says they had originally decided they would leave on Monday. They wanted to get on the road and get down to the rental. And at the last minute, Cody suggested they leave on Tuesday. Janelle was ready to say... She was going as planned and she will just meet them there. Janelle asks Cody, you are just going to play it off the cuff like that? It's a big risk, she says. Janelle says her relationship with Cody is struggling right now because she is so opinionated about needing to just move immediately and Cody is more lax with an attitude of whatever, we'll just take it as it comes. Cody says there's enough involved that he has to just trust fate either way. Janelle says the fear gets to her. She is about to cry, sniffling. She says her kids are, and she stops about to cry. And we very rarely see Janelle get emotional or cry or do anything like that. So obviously she's very stressed. Cody tells Janelle he will have to get another trailer or truck. Janelle is worried it will look very obvious that they are moving. Then Janelle suggests they just need to take bunk beds and clothes and dishes. It's all they need. Cody explains that he is trying to move a small army and he is going all around and his head is spinning. It's confusing. Cody tells Christine everything is going great until he talks to her sister wife and he's referring to Janelle. And Christine tells Cody it's his wife and Cody goes, no, she is your sister wife right now. He tells Christine Janelle said, no, they can't do that. They can't rent another truck or another trailer And Christine asks why. She says she told everybody that's what she was going to do. Cody says because when they pull a truck up, it changes the dynamic. He says, then they have the sheriff double tapping their brakes near their home, not because the dogs are in the street, but because in Janelle's mind, the cops are after them. Cody says, you think if something bad is going to happen, your gut is going to tell you. Mary thinks they should go tomorrow. Robin doesn't think so. Robin wants to leave on Tuesday and Cody was just with Robin at her house and Robin said she wanted to leave on Tuesday. Cody says in reality they are driving out of there. They will be on the road for six, seven or eight hours and they can be stopped and it will be obvious to anybody concerned that they are moving. Cody says in the end they can only make assumptions. 
Cody says unless he personally gets a vibe that they need to leave Monday, he plans on leaving Tuesday. It's interesting. Janelle wants to leave. Mary and Christine would also prefer to leave on Monday. And Robin wants to leave Tuesday. And Cody now wants to leave Tuesday despite what most of his wives want. Mary calls Cody out when Cody announces he will leave Tuesday morning. Mary asks, why? Because you and Robin just decided it when you were over there? Cody says no. And Mary says sorry, but she was just asking. I thought in an earlier episode, Janelle said it was a democracy and majority rules in the family. But here in this instance, the wives, save Robin, all want to go on Monday as originally planned. And Robin decided she wanted to leave Tuesday. And Cody agrees with her when the majority vote would be leaving on Monday. Janelle says in confessional, whether the threat is real or not, whether it's rational or not, she is worried. The older kids come in at this point and they announce that the sheriff drove by again and the cops saw the trailer. Christine says right now they're making decisions based on fear since the police have been driving by and they don't know what's going on. Cody is frustrated and all his wives are there to discuss when to leave. And Mary explains to Cody they aren't trying to make him mad. Cody says there's a discussion about whether they leave Monday or Tuesday So Cody decided to put his foot down and say, they are just leaving Tuesday. He explains the rental isn't available until Tuesday, and it's all about getting the kids to the rental, so he wants to wait and leave Tuesday morning. Janelle tells Cody she is really concerned about the sheriff and the Lehigh police driving by. Cody tells Janelle, there are 300 miles between here and Freedom where they can stop them anytime, and he isn't hiding. He says in two days at 7 a.m. they're out of there. So he expects everyone in vehicles at 6.30 in the morning. Mariah raises her hand to ask a question and Cody tells her she is going with them and he warns her not to be stubborn or mean about it. Mary tells Cody that obviously Mariah knows that she is going with them and Mariah asks if she can come back and visit and Cody agrees. Cody says it's one of those things where he was willing to be a heel He says he tried to be so sympathetic, he tried to be gentle and kind about it. Cody says he knew it was one of those things where he cannot budge. Mary tells Cody that it's okay. Mariah packs. She says she finally realized they're moving and she has to accept it. So for the next two years until she graduates, she will stay there. She says it's tough, but they are all in it together. It's now Dayton's birthday party over at Robin's house. It's the middle of the move, things are hectic, but everyone wants Dayton to feel special on his birthday. Cody says when you leave a home that you love in an area that you love, there's a real deep emotion and a connection to that place. Cody says a lot has happened and the house has been magical for them. So to leave it saying goodbye is not easy. There will be tears and you just have to do it, Cody says. Everyone is loading up the trucks the next morning and Christine announces that TMZ found out about the Browns moving. So they are leaving tomorrow morning and because of that, they want to get out of there before any more press comes to their door. Christine says that was the most stressful part of the whole thing. Cody explains that they're not going to publish the story for 24 hours and Christine says still that stress is a lot when they have been so careful. Christine says all the cleaning that they were going to do, they aren't going to do anymore. Family will have to come in and help take care of it. Cody says they are going to load as fast as they can and go. Logan yells at Peyton that there are 20 boxes of his stuff and they aren't taking all of his stuff. Peyton loads another box of his stuff and Logan questions Peyton about what's in the box. Peyton says stuff that they need and Logan responds that it better be stuff that they need. Logan explains... More than half of the boxes say Peyton or Peyton's room. Logan says whoever loaded all of Peyton's stuff was wrong and they aren't taking all of his toys. And Logan makes Peyton take out all of the boxes with his toys. Cody says they are just leaving the big house in Utah and they have tons of family in the area to watch over it. But they are leaving in such a rush that they don't have time to do anything with the house. Cody explains that... Robin's house is rented, so they need to completely move her out of that house. Robin has dried roses hanging in her window from her wedding bouquet. She packs them away. She also has dried flower wreaths from her girls. 
Robin says all the fear makes her more on edge and emotional and more tense and scared. She says this is not the America that she learned about when she was in school. I love how they are all complaining about how intolerant and unfair America is for them and for their faith. But their faith itself doesn't allow anyone who isn't white to be a church leader. That's not the type of faith I ever saw, just like this isn't the America Robin learned about in school. Everyone is in a rush to get Robin's stuff in and loaded. Cody parked the truck and trailer at Robin's house, and he left, and he has the keys. Janelle is beyond pissed. She says it's brain damage to move this group, and it frustrates her beyond belief. Mary is on the phone with Cody, and they're going to send Janelle back. The producer asks Janelle, who is walking to her car, what's so hard right now? And she yells, we should be done. There is stuff, there is space. Put it in the damn car and let's go. Cody says this is one of the most emotionally packed experiences their family has ever had. They load the trailer and right as Mary is locking it shut, a cop car passes by them with sirens blazing. The kids are yelling. Everyone is panicking. Cody explains that a police siren goes by and everyone is panicked and he felt this is getting spooky and it's not good and everyone was being paranoid. So he decides to pray as a family and after the prayer, they will all get in the cars and go and they will drive till they can't stand it anymore. Till their navels are scratching their backbones, he says. Cody says they're in a situation where they are leaving almost under duress. And he just wants to bring the family together and bring the peace that comes with asking God to help them accomplish this trip. They huddle to pray as a family for the trip, and then they get in their cars and off they go. Christine says the thought came to her that the reason they wanted to do this was they didn't want their kids to live in fear like they lived in fear. And now if they stay, they get broken up and their kids raise their kids in fear. Not really. Not a single one of the brown kids wants to live polygamy at all. And again, the attorney general said on TV and in the papers that they have no intention of charging the Browns or breaking up the family unless they are committing other crimes. So there is no threat. The government policy is not to separate families unless there is fraud or abuse or other stuff going on. Robin thinks they were naive going into this. Christine thinks they were hopeful going into this. Mary thinks she figured things had changed since before and they would be more accepted. They are accepted. No one is forcing them to go. They have the privilege of knowing they will not be charged for just living polygamy. They had no intention to charge the Browns or separate the family whatsoever. And it's interesting that the Browns want to paint this as they aren't being free to live. They have to live in fear. They aren't accepted. They aren't tolerated. This isn't the America they learned about in school. What about their faith where only white people can hold priesthood positions? Is that very tolerant and accepting? Is that the type of God and faith and acceptance most human beings would hope for? Cody says things have changed. Things are different than they were. Janelle says they're openly praised by many, many people. I don't think most people give a fuck how anyone lives or how the Browns live. As long as Cody is good to his wives and kids and fair, most Americans really don't care how anyone lives. They're mostly live and let live. But interestingly, their own FLDS faith cares about who can be a leader. There's a doctrine excluding anyone who isn't white from priesthood positions. I'm sure if there are Hispanic people or black people or anyone of color or who is not strictly white in the faith, that they would care to be able to lead in the church. And they can't, but no one was going to separate the Browns and no one gives a fuck how they live and no one is intolerant of them for living polygamy. But they adhere to a faith that won't even allow people who are not white to have leadership positions in the church. When people see the way that Cody manipulates and treats his wives and kids and the way Cody has devolved, saying shit like his family is an obstacle to his goals in life, then there are lots of people who take issue with that. Christine says people have changed and the laws haven't changed and they are still stuck. Christine says they are stuck because the law hasn't changed. 
Well, polygamy or bigamy is decriminalized now in Utah. And Christine left Cody and she moved back to Utah. And Cody and his other wives have refused to move back to Utah. Are they going to change the Adam-God doctrine of their faith and allow all people to lead in their church and be included in their faith now that the law in Utah has changed, I wonder? The Browns left on Monday night to leave Utah for good, and they didn't get 11 or 12 miles into the trip. And all of a sudden, there are problems. Car trouble, like usual with the Browns. Robin is driving Cody's precious two-door midlife crisis car, and she got a light flashing all of a sudden. She pulled off the road, and a tire had come off of the rim. Cody brought Logan with him to Robin's aid, and the tire is completely shredded. Cody removed the tire, and he asked to find a tire place. He has everybody trying to call some place, and it was, on top of everything, Martin Luther King Day, so lots of businesses were closed. Christine explains that Cody is taking one of the cars back to buy a tire. Robin says the thing about it was that they were not only taking care of the tire, but she also had kids in the car with her. So they took the kids out of the sports car and they were putting the kids in Janelle's car and taking the kids over to Janelle, Mary, and Christine to hang out with them. So it wasn't so simple. Cody says finally they ended up at a department store that was still open and they don't have the right size tires. But they do have a size that would work. Cody says it's an expensive tire for nothing, but he wants to get out of there. Two hours later, they get the tires fixed because they had to fix two tires. They have to fix both tires since the tire that he could get wasn't the right size. And the tires obviously have to match up. They start driving off and they haven't made it a mile. And Christine gets a flat tire in the van. Cody about came unglued, he says. Christine says Cody started getting angry. And Cody explains he wasn't angry at Christine. It was the situation. He turned into a sailor for a minute in disbelief of what was happening. He says he already closed the department store. The only place in the entire county that he can get a tire is closed. Logan says so far they have made 25 miles of progress in two or three hours. Cody tells everyone to pull over and wait. Robin asks Mary if they checked the tires before they left, and they did. Robin says it's a wonderful experience. That's good for their faith. Cody says the problem they have is the spare tire is one of those spares you can only go a few miles an hour on. But the spare in Janelle's car is actually a full spare with the same lug system. And so Cody decided to put that one on Christine's car. And it was a huge mistake. As soon as Christine started driving, there was a weird noise and a weird pull. And it wasn't right. It wasn't a good fit. So Cody realized he had to revert back to the appropriate spare. It was a bad idea. He tried to take off a lug nut and it broke. He took off the second lug nut and it broke also. And Cody knew they would all break. Cody asked what he is supposed to do. He says he was trying to decide, since he's a religious guy, if this was a sign that he was supposed to not go. He says Vegas is only six hours away and they have been gone for four hours and made it just 20 miles. Cody thought that 20 miles was too hard earned and they got up this hill and it took them their entire lives and their bodies and all this stuff. So Cody thought we aren't giving up this hill. It put Cody in a place where he would have to hear an audible voice from God, not just get a feeling or a vibe. Cody says what's crazy is the answer was so simple. They reserved a room down the freeway and they will go there and continue on in the morning. It's the next morning at the hotel parking lot. Cody says they had all the breakdowns last night and they have new tires on a couple of cars and they are ready to go. It's Tuesday and they are now 328 miles to Vegas. They make it another 200 miles in four hours and they're almost to Cedar City and Cody starts feeling his trailer wobble. There is a third flat tire. Everybody pulls off the freeway with Cody The whole family is lined up there on the side of the highway. And the highway state trooper pulled up behind the truck. 
and the Utah Highway Patrol wanted to make sure that they were safe and that the kids were off the road. Cody finished replacing the tire, and by this time it's dark. Christine says it's been 24 hours since they left for Vegas, and they've only gotten 200 miles. Christine had a breakdown at this point because she was with the kids, listening to them how hungry they were and how tired they are. And she says it was a completely different mindset for her. She understands they wanted to get on the road, but she says the kids were hungry. They needed to feed the kids. Cody insists that they keep going despite the hunger. Cody says they were only 60 miles from the Nevada border and his stubbornness has set in. His neck is stiff. So Cody insists they must move on regardless. Mary says she was in the truck. It was quiet. And when she came up over the hill and she saw all of the lights, she thought this is home now. It made Mary feel happy to cross the border into Nevada. She felt calm. Cody says Vegas is a sound, safe place for religious tolerance and religious freedom. Vegas is his Plymouth Rock. Cody says all he wants is religious freedom. They get into Vegas into the vacation rental and Cody says he still hadn't settled. He knew he had a lot to do, but he is so glad to be there. The Browns had to sign some paperwork with Mona, their real estate agent. Cody sits through the discussion on the contract and he says he almost doesn't care because the place is peaceful enough. He has mixed feelings. He doesn't know what the next day holds other than peace. Mary says they've ended that chapter of their lives in Utah and now they are just starting this new chapter and they will see what it holds for them. Cody says a long time ago he looked up to the heavens and he said to God, have you got my back? And on Cody's 43rd birthday, God said, yes, I do. Maddie announces she hates it here at the rental. She wants to go home. What an episode. It's interesting to know that they left Vegas now. Cody barely tolerates Mary. She's just an acquaintance. He has a very rocky relationship with Janelle. He prefers monogamy with Robin. And he says things like his family is an obstacle to his goals in life. And Christine has peaced out and moved back to Utah where polygamy is actually decriminalized. That does it for this episode. Look out next week for Season 2, Episode 11 of My Sister Wives Rewatch, Sister Wives in the City of Sin. And my next episode of Becoming Sister Wives Book Club or the next episode of Keep Sweet, Pray, and Obey along with Seeking Sister Wife. To my YouTube viewers, please like and subscribe and let me know your thoughts on the episode of Sister Wives. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week. Have a great, safe, fun 4th of July. See you soon. Bye.